I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Live Mike. I am Lee Lonsberry. Over the weekend, uh, one of the big bosses here shared uh, an email with me uh, from the New York Times. And set aside your uh, prejudices there regarding the New York Times uh, and listen to me for a moment, talk to you about uh, the, the question which was raised in this article. The headline is, How to Cover a Sick Old Man. Now that, that strikes your ear a, a little aggressive and like it has some sort of uh, you know, preconceived notion or agenda built in there? Well, uh, the, the question is an important one. And as you and I learn uh, you know, each day and are reminded each day, those individuals who are right now occupying some of the most powerful positions in this nation uh, find themselves in some real advanced ages, right? Uh, the president, 74, uh, Vice President uh, Joe Biden, uh, also an older man. It was funny. Uh, I got a, a text message from a friend of mine earlier today who says, uh, you know, it was striking to come to the realization that uh, during last week's last Tuesday evening's presidential debate that of the three men on stage, the youngster was Chris Wallace at 72. Reason I bring this up is that uh, understanding uh, and accepting and asking questions about the age and frailty of our leaders is important because it uh, it calls into question uh, you know contingency plans, mental acuity, longevity, continuity. The reason, of course, this uh, question has arisen stems uh, primarily from an interaction between reporters and the medical professionals at Walter Reed uh, Medical Center treating the president on Saturday at just about 9.30 our time. The the medical team uh, appeared in front of the media as they as they intend to do again at about one o'clock. So in about 10 minutes from right now, uh, you and I will be listening again to the medical team providing care for the president. This coming on the heels of the announcement via Twitter from the president uh, just 16 minutes ago that he this evening at 430 Mountain will be leaving uh, Walter Reed Medical Center. The likelihood is that he will return to the White House to complete his convalescence there with Melania. Uh, that not explicit in the tweet, though, so we'll have to learn uh, what we're told uh, in about 10 minutes from now as uh, medical professionals, the team caring for the president, come together in front of Walter Reed. Uh, but my, my point is is this. There was an exchange on Saturday between the same medical team, and it had to do uh, specifically with the president's treatment and specifically uh, his 
use of supplemental oxygen. Reporters asked uh, the, the, the medical professional there uh, speaking, I believe it was the president's uh, physician. He was asked, has the president been on supplemental oxygen? The response was, uh, he today is not on supplemental oxygen. And, you know, you hear that, and that's kind of dancing around. It's uh, not as complete an answer as you would presume the reporter was trying to get. And so it was asked again. Other reporters realized, oh, okay, we need to really uh, uh, nail this down and figure out exactly what's going on. So the questions were asked uh, over and over again. When was the president on supplemental oxygen? Has he been on supplemental oxygen at any point? And the, the response ended up being he was not on supplemental oxygen Saturday. He was not on supplemental oxygen on Thursday. And while under the care of the Walter Reed team on Friday, he was not uh, receiving supplemental oxygen, right? And so what does that leave? Uh, You know, he Friday could have received supplemental oxygen at the White House or, or something along those lines. And because of the difficulty to extract that information, Many reporters have said, why, why is it so difficult to get a clear understanding of what the, what the president is enduring right now? Uh, because, you know, it is, you know, he is the leader of the, the free world. This isn't uh, simply, you know, someone's grandpa. This isn't just a, a private citizen. His health and its implications regarding national security and the continuity of this government are important. Very important and necessary. And it's evolved over time. The New York Times article I referenced, uh, it begins by telling the story of a young John Breshnahan who was a reporter in the mid-90s and had an experience where he interacted with Senator Strom Thurmond of South Carolina, who, just to put it in perspective, Strom Thurmond, okay, so this interaction took place in the mid-90s. Reporter Breshnahan interacted with Thurmond in the mid-90s. Now, for context, Remember that Strom Thurmond ran for president in 1948. He was born in 1902. Born in 1902, he's being asked questions uh, by a reporter uh, as a a United States senator. And uh, there was some difficulty in Thurmond's response. And what was realized by Breshnahan there was that uh, he, as a you know kind of a, a rookie or uh, you know fledgling reporter, uh, as he looked around at some of the older reporters uh, and later observed their writings, he realized that the frailty <clears throat> and the mental lackings uh, of Thurman on that day were totally ignored. That someone who had been entrusted to legislate on behalf of the United States, uh, that his Mental acuity was not being scrutinized. And he then, this reporter Breshnahan, he went on to develop a reputation for focusing on the mental health and the physical stamina of members of government because their roles are so important. And I believe that uh, while they may sound rude, to ask questions like the ones being asked of the president's health now, uh, they are in fact not at all. They are necessary and required. It may be rude. It may be rude if you ask about your friend's grandpa along those lines. Uh, Has he lost his marbles? No, you don't ask questions like that of a private citizen. But when an individual has the power to launch nuclear weapons, when an individual 
has the power to, with the stroke of a pen, issue forth executive orders that uh, can impact the economy for uh, generations to come. Individuals occupying that position do warrant the scrutiny under which uh, the, the president is operating right now. And on the other side of things, those with the answers have an obligation to answer those types of questions. It is how we retain our confidence in this government and the continuity of such. We're going to take a break right now. When we return from Bethesda, Maryland, it is expected that we will receive an update from the medical team caring for the presidents of the United States on the steps in front of Walter Reed National Military Medical Center, where, as announced by the president just 15 minutes ago, he will be departing tonight at 4.30 p.m. Quick break. Word from the medical doctors next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. This is KSL News Radio. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.